Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. She is an 11-time All-American, a 17-time Big 12 champion, and now she is officially a swammer. She's been a swammer for a while, but we've got Claire Adams. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Claire, I'm excited to sit down and talk with you today. You've so in July, uh, you announced your retirement from swimming. Uh, yep. It came as a bit of a surprise to 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 the outsiders, but I think most retirements do, unless it's I don't know fo- following a big meet, which you know it's been a weird year. So yeah. <laughs> we all know we, we all know you know trials, Olympics were postponed, et cetera, et cetera. So you've sat with this for a while. And I want to start with where you're at today. How are you feeling, you know, five months after, um, after making this decision? Um, where are you at with that decision? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't an easy decision. And I kind of had to sit on it for like four months at the beginning of the pandemic and like really consider after I went home in March for what we thought would be two weeks at the time that turned into three months. Um, what do I want to do with this next year with so many unknowns? And I had felt like I had a really solid plan. And so then to kind of uproot that plan and have to reconsider everything was a little tricky, but I definitely had some support through that process. Um, and then obviously came to the conclusion that it's time for me to hang up the cap and goggles, but, um, it, I think it was the right choice. And I had planned to, I had planned to swim through the summer and then to continue my student teaching program, but with Olympics being postponed and that was my motivation to swim through the summer. Um, I was in 15 hours this semester and I taught two days a week and next semester I'm a full-time teacher as a student teacher. So that was kind of, you know, I had to kind of decide, do I want to stick with the student teaching path? Do I want to try and make this work? And I just decided in the long run that, Um, the balance that I wanted and that the commitment that I wanted to have time-wise to growing as a teacher and figuring out my identity as an educator moving forward um, was something that I needed to do without swimming. So I definitely feel good about the decision. I'm very, I just finished up this past week, my last semester before full-time student teaching. So that's exciting, but I feel good right now. Yeah. It's great to hear. Uh, so were you student teaching at all this semester? And if so, I mean, tell me, just tell me a little bit about that because obviously I'm guessing it was a little, it looked a little bit different than past years. Yeah. So I, like I said, was in five classes. So as a student teacher, you take like methods courses through the university and then you have to apply what you're learning in your classes, right. And to your student teaching. And so I taught every Tuesday and Friday in a second grade classroom, which is awesome. And I love that age. Um, It's what I'm hoping to do in the fall if I get a real job. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was definitely not what I had expected. (laughs) None of it was what I was expecting to do, right? Just taking classes online and then 
trying to teach students online was completely different. Um, so, I mean, I, like I was learning while my teacher that I was placed with was learning. And so we were kind of, and the kids are learning, like everyone was learning this year. So definitely interesting, but I feel like it's going to be a second skill set, hopefully that I can say, yeah, I learned to teach through a pandemic one day. And maybe if something like this ever happens again, or who knows where our world's headed with technology. So trying to look at it as a, an asset rather than a loss, but yeah, definitely different. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, this, it seems like this year has been a learning curve for everyone uh, yeah. in, in many facets. Um, but it sounds like, like you said, uh, taking things as, as a positive and trying to trying to make these things applicable. Um, you know, just in these few months that you have stepped away from swimming, what have you found has been applicable from your swimming career into your teaching? Um, okay, so definitely teamwork. <laughs> You're on a team of, there's four other second grade teachers, and I'm kind of like the intern, the fifth one um, in this case. And learning from my teammates in that sense, um, lots of collaboration on lesson plans and like even just teaching the kids is collaborative. It's not necessarily like a, I've got all the information. Let me give it to the kids. The kids are like, it's a back and forth two way street when it comes to learning, um, in my opinion. So um, definitely communication has been huge this year. What do you need to feel good about your learning? What do I need to feel like I can teach you? Um, and those are definitely all things that you learn through being on a team and being an athlete, um, how to advocate for yourself in situations like this year, especially with just classes in general, like it's been such a weird year. And so, um, communication has been a big one that I've taken from swimming and definitely applied with my teaching and my own learning. So that's really, that's so interesting to hear that. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree learning two way street, but you know, if you're working with second graders, the kids that are that young, not necessarily always the way it's seen. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can very much so, um, be like, a. You talk about who has the power in the situation, right? If I consider myself as the teacher to have all of the power, then what am I, how am I empowering my students? And so I really think that it should kind of be the opposite way. I think the kids should have all the power and that I should just kind of be like helping them through the process in that sense. So that's, that's a very interesting way to look at it. And I think that's a really cool way to look at it. Uh, and it seems very, that seems really swimming oriented as well. Just mm -hmm. giving, giving right. the athletes the power, because yeah. I think t talking to a lot of the top athletes and coaches, that's kind of, seems like kind of a theme, um, which is, which is cool. Um, so, so let's back it up a little bit. Um, you said, you know, obviously the lockdown happened in March. Um, Tell me about where you were mentally and physically, you know, heading into those NCAAs that, that ended up being canceled. So let's see. Um, my senior year was mentally probably one of the, not one of, it was the best year that I had at Texas. Um, my freshman year, you know, you're figuring some things out. And then I had a kind of rocky sophomore and junior year. 
um, both mentally and physically. And then I really felt like Claire, the swimmer and Claire, the person were in a really good place senior year um, because of the work that I did sophomore and junior year to kind of get myself there. Um, and Carol was a huge part of helping me figure that out because we kind of realized for me, if Claire, the person isn't really feeling too good, then Claire, the swimmer is not going to be able to show up. And so Claire, the swimmer was definitely able to show up senior year um, for myself and for, I feel like my teammates as well. Um, and then I think that definitely played out for me at big 12s. I mean, I got to end on a lifetime best in the hundred back, which was awesome. I could not have asked for anything better. And so not knowing that that was my last hundred backstroke, obviously I felt like I was in a really good place going into NCAAs. Um, and I had a lot of confidence and talking to Carol that like last conversation where not our last conversation, but when I kind of told her like, Hey, like, I think this is it. And she was like, okay, yeah, I kind of knew that that's what you were going to say. She has that weird ability to read people's minds, but um, we both kind of felt that like, maybe this was a finally the year that it was going to be a top three finish for me or um, not even place, but just enjoy my experience at NCAAs a little bit more because it, it, it felt right. It hadn't felt right fully the years before that. I think we could both agree on that. And this past spring, it like, it felt, everything felt good about it. And so, I mean, that kind of did make the ending a little bit harder, but um, at the same time, like I got to end on a really good note. So kind of look at it either way, but. Yeah. And so then, you know, like you said, it took four ish months to kind of make that decision of, okay, this is how I'm going to balance things. I'm going to step away from swimming. Take me through those four months. Um, you know, let, let's start with just physically, were you still doing what you could out of the water? Were you able to be in the water? You know, what was training for you looking like, um, you know, until you kind of decided, okay, I'm going to step back. So once everything kind of shut down, I did not swim one time. I've spam. I've kind of gotten back into it now that I've been done. But um, when I still hadn't made the decision to retire yet, I did not have access to a pool. Um, and because I believe I'm not entirely sure, but I believe Carmel was also shut down at that point. And so that was not an option. Um, and then obviously I couldn't swim at UT because we weren't allowed to be on campus. And so, um, I was kind of just doing what I could to try and stay in shape, not really knowing. And, um, I definitely am one of those people that got on the Peloton, <laughs> Peloton quarantine deal. Um, I'm still doing Peloton. No, I don't have a bike or a tread or anything, but I love their workouts. So <laughs> I was doing a lot of that. Um, but no, I was not swimming. And so I was kind of like the more time went on, it was like, well, like it's been like four months now, the longest break I've ever taken is like maybe a month at most, not even. So like, how are we going to get back from this? And then it's like, okay, so I've been done for, or I've been not swimming for five months now, like to go back and have to start essentially from ground zero. Like I knew that I had to really, really want it. And then it had to be the thing. Like I couldn't just kind of want it. Like it was going to have to be 
you're seriously committed to doing this. And I just didn't feel like that was where I was at with it. And so that was part of the decision to retire as well as like, it would have been a lot to try and come back in, I don't know how many months that would have been like eight months or so for Olympic trials. So, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, mentally was that kind of during those four months, was that just kind of relieving? You're like, well, I can't swim out of my control. So that's that. Or was it still kind of this battle of, I think I'm going to swim or I'm going to try to swim. So like, I feel like I need to try to stay in shape or need to sweat, you know, was that, was that a stressor? Um, yes and no, there was kind of, I mean, I would be lying if I said that there wasn't kind of this like sense of relief at first, but then that sense of relief kind of started to evolve into that. Okay. But what if like, we kind of need to figure this out. Um, but I think looking back on that sense of relief, maybe that was kind of my cue that this wasn't going to be, um, like I wasn't going to be going back into it. I guess, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, a, I, I feel like I kind of went back and forth there for a little bit, but there was definitely at one point a sense of relief. So, and I mean, it did help, like, I don't know if this <laughs> sounds a little bit selfish, but like to think that you're not the only person that's alone in what's going on, like the whole swimming community was having to deal with this same question of where am I going to train? How am I going to train if I don't have a pool? Like people were finding bungee cords right at the beginning and like swimming in place for hours on end and like making it work in the way that they could. And so to feel like I wasn't alone in that process, I mean, it kind of did make me feel a little bit better, right? Everyone's having to figure this out in the same way. So crazy what what becomes valuable when something right? like that happens right? like uh <laughs> i don't think i tried to order a bungee online and i couldn't find one everywhere was sold out hmm. uh <laughs> like a, i think that was a couple months in maybe in like may or something but it was wild um but yeah everyone's everyone was scrambling trying to find water like you said and kind of dealing with those same problems so it's interesting and so you finally came to that decision. Um, I think, you know, obviously from the outside perspective, it's like, Oh, but you know, Olympic trials, like you could just stick it out for that long. And you already explained, um, you know, you'd have to be all in and mm. that, the, it, and kind of take that mentality because I think you, you, you being a, the elite athlete that you are kind of know what it takes to be at the very top of your game. Um, was it, was it hard to wrestle with those kind of other outside expectations versus your own expectations when you were making this decision? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that like my inner circle of people, right. So like Carol, my parents, um, my girlfriend, my friends, like in Ian Murray, my club coach, Chris Plum, like I knew that they would support my decision no matter what. Um, but at the same time, like even though I did feel that immense amount of support, it was kind of like, what if, like, what are people going to think of this decision? Like, will they think less of me or like, because I mean, a lot of my identity was and still is that like swimming aspect. I mean, so many swimmers would absolutely agree with that. Like that is part, a huge part of your identity as person. And 
I'm definitely someone that got a little bit lost in that identity at some point, And I'm definitely still trying to figure that out. Um, it's probably been, it's been the hardest part of retiring is what do I do with this past 12 years of my life? Like, how do I move forward with that identity? Um, and so I, I definitely, whether that pressure was actually there externally, I put that on myself a little bit um, in making that decision. But then um, I'm very fortunate that I do have that support. And so that wasn't what ended up happening and people don't think less of me. And um, I mean, yeah, so, but yeah, it's, it's just part of, I guess, figuring out how do I move forward? So. Uh, moving forward now, I mean, you said you started getting back into the water. Have you, has, have you come to terms at all with that swimmer identity since stepping away? No, (laughs) absolutely (laughs) not. That's something that I think I'm going to be working on for a while and not because it's some big issue or some dread or regret that I have, but I just want to give it the time that it needs to breathe. I mean, it's up until I'm 22 years old and over half of my lifetime, that has been my identity. And so, um, and I identified very heavily with it, especially when I was younger, you know, being so close to making an Olympic team and then not making it and then having COVID happen, like that's never happened before. And so my endings kind of don't feel like they've been tied up, right? Like I've got a lot of loose ends in there. And so um, like, I, I still feel like I'm processing some things from 2016 and I'm definitely still processing things from this past spring. And so um, I'm giving myself the time and the space and letting it happen as it feels natural to me. And um, like, I don't want it to have to feel wrapped up um, because it's, I think it's always going to be part of my life in some way or another so yeah that seems like a healthy perspective to me to leave it very open-ended um i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the 2016 and i just i i want to ask one question about that obviously if you don't know the backstory you know you were you were a, a favorite to you know make a run at the olympic team in 2016 you i know it was a hand injury i broke my hand yep like okay four days before leaving for Olympic trials. I was actually at the Olympic training center and I hit the lane line. (laughs) So you broke your hand uh, heading into trials, you know, didn't perform the way that you'd wanted to. Um, And, you know, you said in some ways you're still processing that. Can you describe it all just where you're at with that process? Um, I think so. Uh, 17, right? I was have just graduated high school at that point and was going into Texas after what I had hoped would have been going to the Olympics um, that year. When, like I said, a lot of, if not all of your identity is this one thing and you have committed yourself to a process, right? I, so many people can probably agree with this, that like, I was very fortunate growing up that I didn't really have to have a lot of like loss or grief, things like that. And to me, that was like my first big loss in a sense. And at 17, when you don't really know how to process that, um, 
Like I had people around me trying to help me process that, but it also affected my support system in the same way because they were all committed to that same process going for this one goal. Um, I definitely did not give myself the space to do that because I didn't know how to do that. Um, and then in college, like I said, sophomore and junior year, I had to figure some stuff out and, if I hadn't given myself the space and if I hadn't been given the space by my coaches and my teammates to kind of let that breathe for the first time, um, I don't think my senior year would have been as successful for sure. Um, and then now it's tough because there's definitely always going to be like this little bit of like, Oh, what if, like, what if, like, what if that had happened? But I genuinely think that I needed to experience that loss to figure out Claire the person so that Claire the swimmer could shine eventually in college. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would be, I think this sounds super cliche, but I really don't think I would be the same person if I hadn't experienced that loss. So it's definitely been like, it's taken me, it's been like almost four years, right? Yeah, four years. <laughs> An Olympic cycle is four years. <laughs> it's been almost four years at this point and like, well, five years since we kind of skipped it. But um, I feel like I've definitely come to terms with things, but then trying to see like, what can I take from this experience, right? Um, that's something that I feel like I'm still reflecting on. I don't know yeah. if any of that made sense, but it's hard, right? It's kind of hard to talk about where we are with things like that. So I, th I think you phrased that beautifully. And I think that made, to me, that made a lot of sense uh, because if you haven't dealt with, with loss or grief, like you said, that can, that's not something you can just get over. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it's like for even for fans, I think I think <laughs> they didn't get over it because they're like, you're retired, but you were so close last time. You couldn't. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah. um, but and obviously a totally different perspective. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's something like you said, uh, I don't think people realize that, you know, something like that isn't just a setback. But like you said, it's a loss. I mean, yeah. and you have to, you have to give that time and space, which a lot of people probably don't. Um, yeah. Right. And like, I, uh, I kind of like, didn't really have to deal with setbacks as a young swimmer. I kind of like kept progressing as I went. And so when that's like your one setback, <laughs> that's a pretty big blow. And so <laughs> that was like really the first time that I had to look at like, what do I do with this? Like, what does this mean? Like I was whatever ranked recruit going into college and then this didn't happen. And so then what, do you know, and like, again, at 17, what do I do with all these things that I'm feeling and not allowing myself to feel at the same time. And then, you know, it comes up later when you're in college. And so, yeah. So, so if you're, if you're comfortable speaking about it, it sounds like you, you get to college and you're, 
I mean, this loss hasn't, you haven't given this, this loss, the space that's maybe required. And it also sounds like, you know, that at, from that perspective, that's Claire, the swimmer, Claire, the person, you know, that hasn't also hasn't had a lot of space because you've been fo- so focused on Claire, the swimmer. Um, exactly. I mean, can you talk about how you started giving both those things some space and, and also how your support system in college helped with that? Yeah. So, um, I feel like freshman year, they kind of, those two parts of me, right. Claire, the swimmer and Claire, the person that are one Claire at the end of the day, um, they both got to kind of have their space. And I definitely kind of was still able to ride off like the high school swimming aspect my freshman year. And then it got kind of real my sophomore year. And like, I started to experience some mental health stuff that I'd never felt before in my life. And so then a lot of people can attest to this when you don't feel good mentally it's really hard to go to practice and it's really hard to be a good teammate and to show up for yourself and for other people. And then it's really hard to stay motivated and to feel like it's worth this grind. Right. And it it is a grind. And I don't think I was ever someone who was going to leave the sport because of something like that, but um, it definitely started to take a toll and it wasn't so fun for me to go to practice anymore. And Carol, like I, we have a, fantastic relationship um and she and I through conversation kind of like she was like you have to start talking you have to talk to me you have to talk to a therapist you have to talk to someone because I'm definitely one of those people who like doesn't say anything until it's like boiling over kind of and like I did that in high school with Ian and Chris in the same way, like every three months, it was like a breakdown because I wouldn't talk about anything. And then three months go by and it's like, everything is added up. Um, And so Carol was like, we need to start talking. And so we would talk about something in some capacity from my day, how I was feeling. And I'm very lucky that I had this relationship with Carol that I was able to do this. Um, Every single day we would talk because she was like, you've got like, this isn't going to work if I don't know what's going on in your life, in your mind. Like this all translates to the pool. And it very clearly was translating to the pool. I was having a hard time going to practice and swimming fast and things like that. And so um, I was able to kind of just like, I guess, process even the little things, right? Like little stuff adds up. Um, And then in doing that work and in building my personal self, Claire, the person, I was able to finally feel like, okay, like going to practice is fun and I do enjoy being here and it's hard and I don't always want to do it, but I know that it's worth it to me and that it's what I want to be doing. Um, So that's probably been one of the hardest parts about this summer is like, I don't get to talk to Carol in that way anymore. And like, that's like one of the things that I miss the most for sure is um, like, I know if I picked up the phone and called her right now, she would answer and we could talk for an hour, but um, those like, it's the relationships. It comes down 100%. They tell you this while you're in it, but you don't really realize it, or at least I didn't realize it until now it's 100% the relationships. I don't really miss 
swimming in a sense quite yet, but I absolutely miss the relationships and those like, that's what got me through sophomore and junior year to figure it all out and then feel really confident in my personal self as well as Claire the swimmer going into my senior year. So I think I was a communication major in college and uh, I'm, you know, I graduated in 2014. And so like you would think that I haven't, I, since then I've like kind of had an idea of how to communicate and I think I've gotten better at it, but I think just talking to people is one of the hardest practices I've ever had to go through. Just yeah. telling someone how you actually feel is so hard. It is. And I think that's something that I am going to be working on. And a, the majority of us are for the rest of my life. Like, how do I communicate how I feel about this in a way that is genuine to me and doesn't like it was easy sometimes to kind of hide parts of what I was feeling because it felt difficult to talk about. But then when I actually started talking about the things that were difficult to talk about, that's when I started to figure it out. So. And it's, I mean, it's crazy how much of a physical thing it is, right? Because Mm -hmm. you, you say those hard things, you say like, okay, this is what's really on my mind. This is what I'm really afraid of or, stressing over or angry about or afraid of and then like you feel your whole body just loosen up like that feeling in your gut goes away and it's like whoa it's like a whole experience right and so then when you have all that tension inside of you and you are diving in to do a two back threshold set (laughs) that's like the worst combination ever nothing is gonna go well you're gonna like you're probably not going to hit your times. You're going to feel like crap. And then it's a cycle, right? You just spiral in your head, staring at a black line. And like, that's where you have to, like, I had to reach out and I had to communicate. So. That's, that's cool. It's, it's cool to hear that you've, you've put these pieces together and you're moving forward with this. Um, we've gotten, we've gotten a little heavy, but that's okay. Communication's (laughs) good. Let's, let's, let's just take it back to some more light things. So as you're reflecting on your swim career, you know, what are your, what are your personal highlights? You you mentioned the relationships earlier. Um, can you give me, you know, a few times as you look back on your time at Texas at Carmel, um, you know, what are some of your favorite memories you're going to take away? Oh man. Um, so immediately first one that comes to mind this past year at big 12s. Um, I know I was in a really good place and I cannot speak for my teammates on that one necessarily because I don't want to assume the same of them, but whether they were in that same place or not, the energy that I received from my teammates at big 12s this past year was absolutely unmatched. It was like nothing that I had ever experienced being on Texas. And like, I think I will remember that one forever. Just like, there was just this, like there was this moment at the end of the meet where Lauren Case had swam her last race and we all looked up in the stands and her mom is crying and then Lauren comes over and then all of us start sobbing and we all get in this like, 
huge group hug. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, why are we all crying? We're not done. We have NCs. Like <laughs> Lauren was done and a couple of other people were done swimming. But like that moment, like is the most I had felt connected to that group of people all year. Um, so that is definitely one of them. And then, I mean, I will never forget San Antonio in 2015 nationals. That was a amazing year for myself. And then for Carmel as a whole, like, I just like that's, I, how could I not forget that one? Um, so and those are two that come to mind, but then also like little things like I, if there's one like swimming practice that I miss, I miss Saturday practices, Saturdays. I, they've changed this year for the girls at Texas. I know that, but my Saturday practices that we had, like no one, I didn't want to go on Saturday, but I absolutely loved that transition between the end of Saturday practice. We're kind of wrapping it up. People are in a good mood, starting to joke. Like, where are we going to breakfast? We head over to weights. And then weights were always just so much fun on Saturdays. I love Saturday weights. Um, so that's another, that's a little one that I think of sometimes. Um, what? Let's go back to 2015 San Antonio Nationals. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what they, what made that so special? Give me some specifics. I'm, I'm, Obviously you had a great meet, but you know, tell, <laughs> tell me about the excitement, the energy, what you remember. Um, so I remember my prelim swim in the hundred backstroke and I don't remember like a time, but I know that I dropped a significant amount of time and that it was like, Whoa, am I about to break a minute? Like what? That wasn't on the, the radar. Um, and I just remember like looking at the, um, the board with Chris and Ian and like seeing my name coming up at the top of the finals. What's that called? Why can't I think of what's that, what that's called? I can't think of what you, when they scroll the top eight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The yeah. top eight for finals. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, like, why is that? That doesn't really have a name, but um, yeah. I just remember looking at that and being like, wow, like I can like, I can do this. Like this is where, I belong as a swimmer is in this top eight field. And I know it was a weird year because people were at worlds, but um, that was something that as a young athlete, I really struggled with being 13 and going to Olympic trials. Like I'm 13 years old. Everyone else here is like 25. Like that's kind of, you kind of have to figure out like, where do I belong in this? Because I didn't feel like I belonged for a while there. Um, and that was definitely a moment where I kind of, it clicked for me and I felt like, yeah, like maybe this is my scene as a swimmer. Like maybe I can be on the national scene as a, I don't remember how old it was, 16 or so, 17, something like that. Um, yeah. So that made it. And then obviously like, didn't know that the outcome was going to be the outcome, but then that outcome I can't say that that didn't feel good as a young athlete to win nationals. Um, and also like my whole family was there. And that's one of the only times that my dad's mom, my Nana has been able to see me swim. Um, so that made it even more special. My mom's family was there as well. So. 
seem like these seem like good memories. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I like hearing about this. Um, I want to ask about Carmel just a little bit yeah. because I mean, you guys, Carmel has built such a legacy. You know, I've taught in the recent past, I've talked to Amy Bilquist. I've talked to Veronica Burchill. I've talked to Drew Kibler and it's like there, there's a, uh, it's a lot of fast swimming there, but it seems like there's, some pretty crazy culture as well. And what mm. Chris and what Ian at the time, you know, kind of built was, it just seemed like something special. Um, you know, when you were there, especially a part of the high school team um, or, you know, in your high school years as part of the high school and club. Um, I mean, what, what do you feel like was kind of special, especially when you went off to college um, not saying like, your college team didn't have what they had, but like what, what felt special about that Carmel group to you? Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, the culture at Carmel is something that from age 10 was like, this is the expectation. We do this because this is what we're going to do. And um, I mean, it's, you buy into that. And then like you, I saw, buying into the culture and then like it played out for me and so um Carmel definitely taught me how to be on a team and how to work with other people like all of my I feel like skills for teamwork came from Carmel culture I mean our like team slogan was literally for the team um so it's kind of hard to like pass (laughs) that one up but I like I don't I really think it's the culture I don't think we were doing some like miraculously different training thing but it made the training it gave it this purpose that was bigger than yourself and to be able to like when people buy into something that's bigger than them like that's when things big things happen is when you figure out like it's hard to put into words because it's just like it's so different and I believed in it and I still believe in it so much. Like they taught us, it was, you know, I really think it was like nurturing this aspect that wasn't just what are you doing in the water? I think that's the best way to say it is like it had, they knew that it had to go beyond the expectations for how many fifties at what pace, et cetera. And that's what made it special. Um, And then Amy and, Veronica and I like I don't know what lucky stars aligned for us three to be on that team at the same time but um I think the club was really able to propel forward during that period I like and I think that is again buying into that bigger thing like that's the end goal is to make the club the experience the sport for the people who are now in it behind me at Carmel and behind Amy and Veronica and then we were behind people it gets just constantly building that presence and that stamina for the club at the end of the day so I don't think that that's what I was thinking about at 15 years old but looking back like that's what those like buying into the culture and believing in the team and those elements, that's what that adds up to now. So. Yeah. 
how if if you have any examples you know it's it's interesting that you said they nurtured that um that uh that perspective of it has to be outside the pool as well Mm -hmm. in what ways did they do that so not every week but pretty often maybe every other week um at some point we would sit down and as the I know every group did this, but I was in the high performance group and we would sit down and we would talk about an element of the culture. Like, why is this important to you as an athlete? And it's, it kind of goes back to that teaching thing, right? Like they were giving us the power with the culture, not just simply placing it on us because it had to be meaningful to us for us to actually believe in it and to buy into it. Um, And so whether we were like, defining what that meant for ourselves um like take the word courage courage and perseverance that's that's like the two things for Carmel. take the word courage we're all going to talk about what does courage mean to me like making it seem relevant to my life and then to my swimming um but then also they not even just like the culture of Carmel. they really nurtured like student athlete mindset so they always said student athlete student comes first for a reason like you will be focused on your grades and if it came down to it like we had a good enough relationship with our high school that if you were struggling in school swimming was going to have to wait because they our coaches understood that swimming's not always going to be there and you need to know how to be a student and how to be a person in this world um but then also like I think of this one example always comes to mind like the team building stuff, we, we had a coach, her name was Emily. Um, She doesn't coach at Carmel anymore, but she led the high school girls team through this activity where we, I don't know what the context was, but I just remember we wrapped ourselves in groups in Saran wrap and had to run through the high school. And so like stuff like that, like makes it fun to come to practice. Right. And like, that was probably over like winter training when it's really hard and we need a pick me up. But that's something that I remember five years later is running through the high school hallways wrapped in saran wrap with my <laughs> teammates. And like, it's the things like the little things like that, that truly nurtured our, like our minds and our souls outside of swimming that gave us the, like, not the reset, but kind of like, kept fueling the fire to feel good about what we were doing in the water. So again, I feel like you, you worded that very eloquently, uh, in in a way that made a lot of sense. Coaches, I hope you're listening because maybe wrapping people in, in groups in Saran wrap, (laughs) not the best idea for this season, particularly (laughs) definitely not (laughs) but maybe put it in your pocket for next year when uh when we're not in a pandemic because it sounds like a blast to me (laughs) um so i i know you said it it wasn't about uh, always about what you were doing in the water but i have to ask you know do you is there a practice at carmel at texas that sticks out you know the hardest practice of your life or a favorite set that you had you know, something, uh, a, a numbers, a numbers and distance that you'll always remember. Um, I will never forget. And he was probably going to send me a text message if he listens to this and tell me that it wasn't actually this, but <laughs> in my mind, it was eight, three hundreds 
or five 500s at some point, all backstroke. And I was going on the same intervals as the freestylers, which like the intervals weren't outrageous and I was making them, but Ian gave me that set and I was like, seriously? And then it's like the, oh, asterisk, by the way, six kicks off of each wall. Like that one definitely sticks out across all teams I have been on drag socks. I, for the life of me, I am a decent kicker on my back, partially because I can use my underwaters, but you give me a kickboard and it is useless. And then you put drag socks on that. And I remember both on Texas and Carmel teams stagnant not going anywhere, practically going backwards. Drag socks were never my deal. Um, I can't think of like a specific set at Texas, but definitely some like fast Fridays where it's like you're standing up on the block and you think you might fall off of the block, but like so worth it in the end. Um, yeah, I think those are the eight 300s or five 500s, that one was probably the most backstroke I've swam. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a killer. Uh, Those are, those are, those are great examples. That is exactly that fulfills (laughs) my, my swim nerd inside of me. Um, So we've talked about, uh, you know, moving forward, what you're looking forward to. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me for a little bit. Uh, Any parting thoughts before we sign off? Um, I think, like I said earlier, it's the relationships and looking back where I am now and amidst this pandemic where connection is the one thing that we're looking to the most. Um, it's just another, that just reinforces my belief that at the end of the day, there was the awards and the accolades and the fast times but what i'm taking with me is absolutely the relationships that i built from carmel and from texas and usa teams just swimming in general it comes down to the people the connection and the relationships well again claire i i appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk with me it's it's been awesome to to pick your brain and, and get your perspective uh on a Uh, on a long and illustrious career. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.